0: No, my name is Eric Birch, one of the associate pastors here. Been an interesting week. Um, I have a lot of stuff going on at work this week. It was just crazy and other stuff that was going on in family and whatnot. It was, it was just, a, just a crazy, crazy week. And I knew it was crazy. I was in the kitchen. Donna asked me what time it was, and I looked at the stove and I said 375. <laughs> and I thought, oh, it's got to be later than that. <laughs> it's, it's just been one of those kind of weeks, you know? It's, uh, uh, as you know, we're starting a new series uh, called Identity in Christ, uh, and we're trying to discover who we are in Christ. And um, it's really important that you grasp who you are. Um, as believers, we're in a, just an amazing place. Um, you know, last week we, we saw that we were destined, right? Both your physical birth and your spiritual birth were destined by God. You are exactly who you are supposed to be. You were made exactly the way you are supposed to be made. You know, God wove you in your mother's womb to become this unique person with a unique purpose for God. That should be like, wow. I remember one of my foster kids, she used to say to me, she said, she said, what are you going to do about your hair falling out? And I said, nothing. It falls out all by itself. And I explained to her that God only makes a certain number of perfect heads, and the rest he puts hair on it. My right, Brother Randall? Hey, Amen. You got it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and and, and and the world teaches such a different thing. Right? You got to do this. I personally, I hate, I call them glamour magazines. They have all sorts of names in them, but Donna gets them, and there's like, oh, if you use this, you'll look this, and you do this. I'm like, so glad I'm a guy. You know, I, I don't have to do all that stuff. I go through, I love going through customs, because I've got a bar of soap and a stick of deodorant, and I'm done, <laughs> you know, and you see these people with like four bags of clear plastic, nothing larger than three ounces, and you're like, whoo. I remember we used to travel before that, and Donna had a separate suitcase for makeup and, you know, all that stuff. I was like, it's crazy, you know. And, and yet to say that, you know, that, no, no, we are as we are exactly as we should be. Uh, we're destined that way. There's no oopses, no, you know, wish I had, could have, et cetera. You are as you are to be. And the same is true of your spiritual birth. You know, I told you last week, I, I kind of I wish I had come to the Lord a lot earlier. There's a lot of mistakes I wouldn't have made had I known the Lord earlier in my life. But I have to accept that I know the Lord exactly when I was supposed to. And those things that I went through in my life are tools that I have to, to share God. You know, I look at the distance of where I was and where I am, and, and I'm eternally grateful for that. Um, and it, and it, each of us has that own path that we went on before we came to know the Lord some of us when we were young, some of us when we were older. Uh, the key point is that it's done before you're dead. Um, all right. So we talked about the, um, the work of the Holy Spirit to, to, to guide you uh, on this amazing trip we call life. And it's hard to believe that no matter how long you live, it's, it's but a whisper, right? It's just a moment compared to eternity in heaven with God. Um, and I know, talk to some folks afterwards, or they would like to go now. Um, and I know the feeling. There's days I like, okay, I'm ready. Um, so, anyway, today I titled uh, today's message, I Have Received. Uh, and our focus verse is out of First Corinthians 2, or, uh, chapter 2, verse 12. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Now, last week we saw how we had been given wisdom and sanctification and righteousness and redemption from God. Um, And we got that through the work of the Holy Spirit and through the suffering of Jesus Christ. Um, And we can claim that. Um, That righteousness which comes from God is ours. We wear it as righteousness. Right? It's not like we're carrying this you know, fake cloak of righteousness. No, no, we are righteous because we have the righteousness of God. And Jesus Christ taught us the wisdom of God to us. Um, and we get a proper understanding of God through the work of the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit. And it helps us understand what are the ways of the world, the ways that they're supposed to be. And we know that godly wisdom stands very far apart from worldly wisdom. The world today has this this just messed up understanding um, of what's right. Um, And we know that the godly wisdom that we get is only because it's been given to us um, through the Holy Spirit. Um, Now we're going to look at this verse and we're going to break it out into two parts. Much like last week... This verse kind of breaks down into two parts. The first part is, now that we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So it's an interesting fact that mankind, the human mind, though it's been created by God, seems to reach for darkness all the time. It seems the natural bent of fallen man is to reach to darkness. Um, the spirit of the world is darkness. If there's any question, just look around the world today of what's going on in the world today, and you'll see that darkness just is the natural trend of the world. And mankind from the beginning sought darkness. I watched a a cute little movie yesterday. um, It's called Free Guy, um, and it's this little avatar that's inside a computer game that gets hold of a user's Glasses, and all of a sudden he could see everything going on. But the part that I thought was really interesting was this: the whole point of the main game is killing all these things and robbing banks. and And I thought to myself, why is that our natural desire? I am amazed that somebody would actually buy some of these games. Um, they're terrible. Um, Grand Theft Auto. Who would play that? It's terrible, and yet it sold like seventeen million copies. And so if there's any conviction that the heart of man is toward darkness, take a look at what video games sell. Um, it's, it's amazing to me. Um, but mankind, even though light is available to us, we don't see it. We stay in the darkness. John chapter 1, verses 4-5 to five says, In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. It likes the darkness. And you know, it's interesting, darkness is the lack of light. Just like evil is the lack of good. There is no way darkness overcomes light, right? Because darkness is an absence. It can't overtake something that is. Right? Good is something that is. Evil is the lack of good. And so God brings us light, and we reject it. Mankind doesn 't want light; it prefers the darkness, and man has its own version um, of what it wants the truth to be the You know we see that men have always had foolishness, their own creation as to what truth is, what they want God to be like um, and you know it 's one thing for a child or someone inebriated to be foolish. But when you're sober and a mature adult and you still grasp foolishness, that's a concern. How can you still grasp darkness when light is available? But that's the story of mankind. Man, on his own, rejects God. And so as we know, there's only one hope for man, and that is in God. He began the new creation. He worked the plan for us to be restored to him, to be reconciled, to be restored, resurrected. And we could overcome the kingdom of death that awaits every fallen man who doesn't know him. And sadly, um, we'll never grasp it. So God's work in divine grace, sin is conquered, hope is restored, Joy becomes possible, perceivable. I always think it's interesting because when I talk to people that are just totally into the world, they believe in all the worldly theories and stuff, and if you carry it to the end, they end up what we call nihilist. They have nothing. They have no purpose. They have no real goals. They're just killing time. Sad way to live a life. I have a friend of mine who's, uh, actually his father was a pastor, and he's not uh, very much, uh, he doesn't go to church, he's kind of, I'd say, solidly agnostic. You know, and, um, and it's, it's a significant difference between that and an atheist, because an atheist means I know everything that's possible to know, and there is no God. It's a declaration of knowledge that they know everything. Agnostic is like, I'm not sure. God would be good, but I don't need one. But it's interesting, so he, we always have the comment, he says, well, you know, Eric, he says, yeah, I mean, all that stuff is good, but really there's no benefit. And I said, well, actually, you're wrong. And while, if I'm wrong, no harm. If you're wrong, you're in for a bad eternity. But more importantly than that, if I'm right, I'm going to live a God that, a life that's blessed, that's purposeful and has meaning. If I'm wrong, I'm going to live a life that's blessed and purposeful and has meaning. He doesn't have that life. And that's huge. All right. Again, like you said, man rejects the wisdom of God. Truth has been brought to man by God, and man must accept it. Man must embrace the light, not hide in the darkness. Now, it's interesting. God could have used his power to force man to obey. One of my daughters, it was interesting. She said, why does God give us a choice? I'm like, well, because God doesn't want robots. He wants you to choose him. He wants you to intentionally want to love Him. Right? What would it have been if you were forced to obey, forced to love, forced to... That's not what God's looking for. He gave you free will. And He could have come up with a plan that made sense to man, that could have fit into man's own wisdom. But we know man's wisdom and God's wisdom is totally apart. One of the things that amazes me about Christianity, there is no way man would have thought it up. That's just not the story that man would have created. You look at some of the other religions of the world, the type of God they created. Yes, I can see how man created that, but not Christianity. It is definitely not created from man's wisdom. And he could have done it through the excellence of human word. Right? If you remember... Early in the church, I mean, there was these great orators. We had, of course, philosophers, all of that. We had all this elaborate speech, but he didn't. Now, in fact, the message of the gospel, the words of God are simple but profound. Jesus came. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus won. Simple. Again, God could have chosen mighty tools, right? They were familiar with the Roman army. They understood force, but he didn't. He brought a servant. God came from heaven to earth as a servant, not as a warrior. Again, obedience by force is the way of the world not the way of God. If we have any question about that, look to what's going on in the Ukraine. So different are the ways of God. You know, when I prepare a message, I pray. I certainly don't expect my knowledge and wisdom to provide the message. Um, I really, um, I just do some prayer, i do some preparation, and then i start heading in that direction. And I, I know that um, it probably won't be all it could be, because I still have me in the way, but I try to make the best message I can. And there are times, and I know every pastor knows this, when it's probably 8 o'clock on a Saturday night, you think you're all done, got a hockey game to watch, and God says, uh-uh, you missed it. That's not what I wanted to say. You're like, is it close? Uh, <laughs> and so you go back and you write it again you know because I know as a pastor the worst thing I could possibly do is bring God's word wrong that doesn't mean we all have it right Dan, Weezy and I you know we do our best, we are human beings just like you but I never want to bring the message that's my message and not God's message alright um Now, the other part that's really important is God saves men and women through a process that gives them nothing to boast for. There is nothing I can stand up here and say, hey, look what I did. It's not the way of God. Man is about pride and boasting, not God. Um, The salvation of mankind requires that we humble ourselves before God and that he will lead us to know that he is God and that beside him there is no one else. God's gracious interaction with the world reveals his sovereignty, his wisdom, his power, his love, his grace. And we see this at the cross where Jesus unveiled God's way of revealing power and weakness. Paul had such an awareness when he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-5, through 5, And when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come as someone superior in speaking ability or wisdom, as I proclaim to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I also was with you in weakness and fear and in great trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of mankind, but the power of God. We have the spirit of God, not the spirit of the world. And Paul knew there was nothing else to know. If you knew the truth of God, you knew everything you needed to know. And again, it was not a plan that you would expect from the world. You know, the plan of the cross was to conquer death by death, to remove sin by the endurance of a penalty, to work mightily by suffering terribly, and to glorify himself by shame. How contrary to the ways of the world. The cross where Christ died was the epitome of disgrace. There was no worse way to die in those days than crucifixion. But it was also the focus of God's insertion of grace, that he would take a servant and crucify him to show you he loved you. That is so much not the world we live in today. He glorified himself in connection, not with honor and power, but with shame and death. And the great self-sacrifice of God is the great victory of divine grace. You know, we talked about this last week. It may seem unfair for one man to die for another, but we're talking about the Trinity. God the Father sent God the Son to die for mankind so that God the Holy Spirit could indwell you and lead you back to God the Father. It's just amazing to me to think of all the ways of God in reaching to men are in harmony with the cross. And the cross, that, that process of God displaying his love to mankind by suffering instead of majesty... was no splendor in the cross. So unique is the truth of Christianity. Like I said before, to me, this story could never have been created by man. This is clearly the truth of God. And we only learn it from the Spirit of God and not the Spirit of the world. So let's jump into the second half of this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, second half. So that may we freely know things given to us by God. Now there's three, things, three questions I want to answer today. The first is, how are things given to us? The second is, how do I have the power to receive the things of God? And third, how do I have the knowledge to understand the things of God? So the first one, how are the things of God given to us? First of all, all blessings that we have are a gift. Salvation is a gift. Inheritance of the covenant is a gift. All that comes by our Lord Jesus Christ to sanctify, to save and sanctify men is a gift. So what is a gift? Well, it's something that you are given that doesn't need the return of money. Right? Imagine if you were given a birthday present and someone said, and I need ten bucks. Well, then it's not a gift. If I have to give you something for it, it's not a gift. You'd laugh, right? Nobody buys a gift. I might buy a gift for myself. but uh, (laughs) Anyway. But again, we're not asking any sense of it to bring a price to God. There's nothing we can do to purchase our pardon, our justification, our eternal life. The Word says it's freely a blessing. Isaiah 55.1 says, You there, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. God freely gives His grace, expecting nothing in return, but that we do freely receive as he freely gives. Right? We have to receive just as freely as he gives. And our ability to receive freely is part of the gift. Without the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, you never would have accepted the gift freely. Such is the nature of the gift. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I've ever had that where someone, you're talking with a salesperson and you kind of hide your wallet because you're worried about what's coming next, right? Right? But with God, you don't have to hide your wallet. Money is useless. You can't purchase anything. He's not searching in your character. He's not looking for the strength of your resolutions. He's not looking for some little piece of righteousness to justify the gift. No, it's a gift. It's Completely nothing to do with you. It's a gift. We can offer nothing. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift and not a prize. They're different. Now, there are heavenly prizes to run for, right? There are things to be fought for and to be obtained with divine help. There's a reward in which we are to seek and a crown for which we are to strive for, but divine grace that forgives sin and works faith is not a prize. It's a gift. The blessings of salvation are freely given to us of God, and therefore they're not alone. Once we had them, we have them. It's not a lease. There are no monthly payments. There's no annual deposit. Once you have it, they're yours. It's an eternal gift to every man and woman who accepts Jesus Christ. The blessings of salvation, pardon, justification, eternal life are gifts with no if. There's no if-you. They're gifts. And I want to talk about the idea of freely, when we say that God gives freely. What do we mean by that? What we mean by that is that salvation is freely given. It comes from God with no compulsion. He is not forced to do it. Now, if you were stopped on the road and someone said, your money or your life, you'd hand over your money. Right? That's not free. You had to make a choice. You had to give up something. It's forced. But no one can force the mercy of grace on God. of God on anything. God gives freely. It's his choice. There's nothing we can hold against God. He gives freely. He doesn't need permission. He doesn't need persuasion. God never has to be persuaded to be gracious. It's who he is. It's his character. He is ready to pardon, and his grace, his grace persuades us to accept it. You do not need to convert an unwilling God to be willing to forgive. The conversion is in your will, not his. Micah chapter seven, verse 18 says, "Who is a God like you who pardons wrongdoing and passes over a rebellious act of the remnant of his possession?" He does not retain his anger forever, but he delights in mercy. That is so cool, right? God delights in mercy. He delights in giving mercy and grace. That's how much he loves us, that he delights in it. So as for the first question, how are the things of God given to us? The things of God are given to us freely. Now the second question. How do I have the power to receive the things of God? So we know the things of God are freely given, but how do I have the power to receive them? Well, the power with which we receive these gifts, which God freely gives us, is the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, we don't purchase that, but it's given to us. We freely receive it. The power to grasp Christ does not lie in our nature, in our own strength or goodness. See, our natural state is death, and death doesn't seek God. Death cannot grasp life. God the Holy Spirit must brief life into us before we can rise from our natural state and grasp Jesus Christ, who is life. It is not the natural human nature even to see the kingdom of God, much less to enter it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, But a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. We have the ability to receive the things of God because we have the Holy Spirit within us who gives us the power to receive. The Holy Spirit doesn't find good in us. He brings good to us. Understand this well. There's no process of discipline or education or evolution that can enable a man or a woman to lay hold of the things of God except by the Holy Spirit. We must be born again from above, and our heart must be open to receive the grace of God. John chapter 3, verses 4-6 to 6 says, Nicodemus said to him, How can a person be born when he is old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which has been born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Our flesh is dead. Our flesh does not get us salvation. It doesn't get us truth. It doesn't get us the wisdom of God. But our spirit, born again, we have all of those. We receive nothing unless it is given to us, and we receive it by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when we are born again, our minds are open, and we can truly understand. Again, it shouldn't surprise you when you talk to someone who has not the Holy Spirit and does not understand the truth of Scripture. should not surprise you. Understanding the truth of Scripture is the work of the Holy Spirit, not our own intellect. So why would we expect someone who doesn't know the Holy Spirit to be able to understand the things of God? When born again, our minds are open and we can truly understand. When we're born again, our ears are open and we can actually hear the voice of God. So the second question, how do I have the power to receive them? I have the power to receive the things of God because I was given that power by God through the work of the Holy Spirit. Finally, the last question. How do I have the knowledge to understand the things of God? What good is it if I have free access to the wisdom of God and the power to receive them, but not the knowledge to understand them? Now, that seems simple. Now, you might have a book on particle physics or differential equations, but if you don't have the foundation below that to understand it, you might as well use it to shim the dryer. I know you've got one of those dryers that you, know, you put the book in there. Hey, All right. <laughs> you should do that with a phone book. Right, But I mean, you have to have that foundation to be able to understand it. Otherwise, the wisdom of God is far beyond our reach. But that's not the case when it comes to the knowledge of things freely given to, uh, by God because it's communicated to our minds by revelation. The revelation contained in the Holy Scriptures and guided to us by the Holy Spirit. The inspired writings are open to us all, and all of us, are invited to search them. In fact, I would say encouraged. If you don't spend time every day in the Word, growing in your knowledge of God, you're doing yourself a great disservice. The truth of God is in the words of Scripture. Read the Word of God and you will know to the letter what God's free gifts are. Now the other great 316 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that every man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. Right? Other translations say, All Scripture is God-breathed. Literally, the Spirit of God worked in the authors of Scripture's to present the truth of God to mankind. All scriptures. You can't say, I like this part, but not so much this part. Well, you may say that, but it's irrelevant. All of it is truth. All of it is God-breathed. The word of God is eternal, and whoever reads it, follows its ways, will be great in the kingdom of God. Matthew 5 Verses 18 and 19 says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth can pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of the letter shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever nullifies one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. In older translations, it will say that Not even the smallest jot or tittle will go away. Well, a jot is the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And a tittle is actually a little bump on the edge of a jot. So one is a stroke of a pen, the other has a little piece stuck on it. So it takes two strokes to make a part that has a tittle, where it only takes one stroke to make a jot. That's how small he's talking about. It's as if you're saying all I's will be dotted, all T's will stay crossed until the time comes. Right, Every word counts. The head learns by nature, but the heart must learn by divine grace. It's interesting, I look at my own life and even when I was in high school I read the Bible. Um, I was in school and I had to read the Bible and take a test on it. Um, and in order to get an A in religion. And I had straight A's. I didn't want to not get an A, so I said, okay, I'll read the Bible. So I got an A. I stopped being Catholic, but the, um, I didn't find the truth. So it wasn't just by reading that was going to send me the truth. And it wasn't for, uh oh, math in public, 16 years later that I actually understood the truth. And the words of Scripture came to me as truth, not as a story. It's interesting when I look online and you see all these people breaking down all of Scripture, and they're not Christian. I'm like, what makes you think you know what it means? If you're not Christian, you don't have the Spirit of God, you you can't understand the words. And the Word of God is written upon the heart by the same Spirit who wrote the book. You know, I heard about repentance, but repentance didn't mean anything until I repented. I heard about faith, but I never knew what faith was until I was given faith. I heard about pardon, but I never knew what pardon was until I was washed by the blood. I heard about justification by faith, but I was never justified by faith until I received the Lord Jesus Christ and received righteousness. Righteousness through guidance of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, go to the Holy Spirit, pray for him to enable your heart to understand the Word of God. That's his intention. This book contains his Word, and the Holy Spirit will guide you in it. May we be taught to enjoy the heavenly communion that comes with familiarity with holy things and the Holy Spirit. I know for many of us, especially if you're new, a lot of this seems overwhelming. And yes, you can get into this great theological debate, but you don't need to. The Bible tells us it's simple enough that a child can understand. Jesus came, Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus won. And we learn from these things that we have to be humble. If you know anything, you've been taught it. If you possess anything, it's been given to you. The clothes on your back are furnished by the Lord's favor. The bread in your mouth is a gift of his love. A proud saint is a contradiction in terms. So as to the third question, how do I have the knowledge to understand them? I have the knowledge to understand them because I have access to the Holy Scriptures and a guide in the Holy Spirit. So in closing, we reject the spirit of the world because we have the spirit of God. How are things of God freely given given to us? The things of God are given to us freely. How do I have the power to receive them? I have the power to receive them because I was given that power by God through the work of the Holy Spirit. And finally, how do I have the knowledge to understand them? I have the knowledge to understand them because I have access to the Holy Scriptures and a guide in the Holy Spirit. Lord, we are just so grateful for all that you do in our lives.